At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is Pro Football Blitz with former Super Contest winners Brady Cannon and James Salinas on VSAN, the Sports Betting Network. Welcome in. Hour number three of the Pro Football Blitz right here on VSAN and VSAN.com, the Sports Betting Network. I'm Brady Cannon. Live in Las Vegas from the fabulous VSIN studio inside the Circa Resort and Casino. My partner, James Salinas, also a fellow Super Contest champion in 2015. He is here via Denver, Colorado, and it's time to talk a little contest, James, but we're going to talk DraftKings contests. And our man, Matt Meiselman, now joins us. He is a content specialist for DraftKings, and you can follow him on Twitter at Preaching Sense. Matt, thank you so much for joining us again. Hey, Brady. Hey, James. Good to be with you guys again and ready to get into some week two football. Yeah, let's absolutely do that. But before we do, I want to go back to week one a moment and you fill us in on what were some of the results about the DraftKings Pick'em contest. What were some of the most popular selections and the winners in the week one edition of the Pick'em contest at DraftKings? So overall, I thought week one was an interesting week. And I'm sure, as you guys know, there weren't that many huge favorites. So I don't think we got an opportunity to, to really see how people will attack certain kinds of games because we saw all these close spreads. Week two will be a little bit different where we have some larger spreads some closer spreads and some more lopsided games. So in week one, we really saw a lot of people targeting the Niners against the Lions. And for pick'em purposes, that actually resulted in a win because the pick'em spread locked in at seven and a half before it had moved above eight. And then the Niners ultimately won by eight with the Lions scoring 16 points in the fourth quarter. Um, so the Niners there and then the uh, the Rams against the Bears on Sunday night were the two biggest uh, pick em teams. And it was the same for um, for Survivor also. So we really saw people having to pick from, I would say, some lower quality favorites with none of the spreads even being double digits. But the results were good for, uh, at least in the higher stakes contests, not many people knocked out, a lot of correct selections in Pick'em. So I think week two might be a little more challenging just to figure out what's going on. James, of course, you're right there in the Mile High City where DraftKings has a sports book, and of course these contests are live, and obviously you're, uh, you are in the thick of it there, paying attention to all this stuff week in and week out. Are you really feeling the buzz there in Colorado about the DraftKings Pick'em and Survivor Contest? I, I think the buzz overall about getting involved with the NFL and having sports betting legal here for starters, absolutely. And I think as far as the contest is concerned for DraftKings, Brady and Matt, this is what's different about, I think, the, the wrinkle that's really interesting and different about DraftKings contest. Yes, it's not just related to one state. You, you don't have to be in that one state like Las Vegas to participate. You can be in a multitude of states to be able to participate. And the bigger piece for me, as far as me, I'm not in the contest, but thinking as it from a contest strategy perspective, I'm someone that typically wants to wait until we get to the, 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 
right to the deadline to be able to submit picks in. In this case here, the deadline for the DraftKings contest is on Sunday, so it's almost right up to kickoff. So I think for, for folks, that's very advantageous to find out about inactive reports. If you have questions about certain players, we know what the injuries are, status, as well as COVID issues that are still lingering around. I think that's very advantageous for those that are in those contests to be able to wait almost up until kickoff. Matt, you mentioned uh, as far as the Pick'em and the Survivor Contest, a couple of the most successful and popular picks were the Rams and the 49ers. How about some of the least successful picks? Who were some of the more popular picks on teams that ended up losing in Week 1 in both Pick'em and Survivor? Yeah, the Jaguars actually were the most picked loser for Survivor, and they were only 4%. So overall in Survivor, people did really, really well. In Pick'em, though, there were two key teams that lost. Um, the Patriots didn't cover against the Dolphins, and then Washington didn't cover against the Chargers. They were 40%, 37% respectively. So um, a lot more losing teams in Pick'em. It, it was a little bit tougher there. Survivor, we still have the vast majority of entrants remaining, 2,200 out of about 2,600 still left as of start of week two. Matt, how many uh, participants did you end up with in the DraftKings Pick'em contest? That one is 1,870, and out of that number, 32 managed to go 5 for 5. So we have this perfect week bonus, $100 free bet for anyone who can get 5 out of 5 in any week. Um, so of those 1,870, we had 32 of those, which I think probably is a lower number than we'll see going forward. I mean, it's obviously hard to pick 5 out of 5, but 32 out of 1,870, I feel like that may be lower than the norm with those teams like New England and Washington losing in week one. Isn't that a great idea, James? You you talked about the wrinkle in the DraftKings contest where you can submit your picks all the way up to kickoff. How about a little bonus in your account for going 5 and 0? Oh? You and I'd like that, right? Absolutely, and I think 5 and 0, oh, it is hard. It's so think about when I I've, I've cashed 3 times in the super contest and all those three years that I cashed, I only went 5-0 and one time in wow. each of those seasons. <laughs> one of the awesome. years in between when I went first, third, and 26, one of the years in between when I didn't cash, I actually went 5-0 and twice. So, yeah, nice to have a bonus when you go 5-0, and but it speaks to how hard it is to sweep the board on any given Sunday. All right, Matt, let's talk about week two in the NFL and for the DraftKings Sportsbook. What games are they seeing or what side in games are they seeing the most liability at DraftKings right now? So overall for week two, one of the things that I think is the coolest part of this week is we get to see the week one results, sort of what parts of the game actually are indicative of what we can expect going forward. So like, did the Chiefs play poorly to only win by four or did the Browns just play really well and are they a better team than we thought um, are the Texans actually good or are the Jaguars just that bad those sorts of things and we start to see those dynamics unfold um, as of now I think a lot of people are buying into the Rams and we've actually seen that line move back a little towards the Colts I think that there could just be a lot of betters who are interested backing the Rams who look really good in week one um, and then fading the Colts who look really bad against Seattle when, when we opened this line in the offseason, it was much closer. It was, I think, one or two. So it was definitely under a field goal, and now we're above a field goal. So that's a, that's a game worth with a significant liability with just so many people attacking the Rams. And then the other one, which isn't as big yet, but I imagine it'll grow as, it, as we get there, is the Sunday night game because the Chiefs won, and I think maybe people don't realize that they actually were outplayed by the Browns by most metrics, yards per play, first downs. Um, 
basically everything across the board except the Browns had two key turnovers and the Chiefs didn't have any. But it, I think because the Ravens lost in overtime on, in a primetime game that everyone saw, we just have this sentiment of the Chiefs are now still, I mean, still the team to beat and the Ravens just don't look that good. So as we get closer to Sunday night, I imagine that overtakes the Rams as the game that we have the most concern with. We're just the largest percentage and just largest overall handle are on Kansas City. The get even or get even deeper game, that Sunday night game, we like to call it. Uh, typically, all the uh, snowballs down or the tickets snowball down into that Sunday night game, and it certainly develops the biggest handle on an NFL Sunday. James, uh, Matt mentioned the look ahead line on the Colts and the Rams, and we saw that out here in Las Vegas as well. The Colts actually opened up as a one and a half point favorite in that game. Now, there was the injury to Carson Wentz, the injury to Quentin Nelson, what have you. And then the Rams come in there uh, now, currently listed as a three-and-a-half-point favorite. So a big adjustment there, a five-point adjustment from the summer look-ahead to what the current line is now in that game. We also have a very big adjustment, and you talked about it, Matt, for your contest. The Jaguars dis- uh, disappointed a lot of Survivor players at DraftKings. But look at that line adjustment as well, James. The Denver Broncos on the summer look-ahead were one-and-a-half-point favorites on the road at Jacksonville. Now they're laying six. I think the the issue for Denver was question marks who was going to be the quarterback. Now, early in the offseason, it was all, is Aaron Rodgers actually going to come to Denver? And never suspected that would happen, and obviously it did not. But now it was going to be a two, two-man two race to the starting quarterback position. Was it going to be Bridgewater coming over from Carolina, or was it going to be Drew Locke, who led the league in interceptions last year? And I think it was clearly going to be Teddy Bridgewater's position to lose, and he kept it. But I think that's where part of the speculation was. It's hard to put a number on the Denver Broncos with so many question marks in the offseason leading up to the season, start week one for Bridgewater, just not knowing what the quarterback position was going to hold. How's that game being bet, Matt? Are you seeing most of the activity on the Denver Broncos side? Yeah, and like I've mentioned in previous weeks, Colorado betters love to bet on the Broncos. So I would say (laughs) it's probably at least somewhat due to that. But at the same time, the Broncos looked really good against the Giants. The Jaguars did not look good against the Texans. And it just seems like at less than a touchdown spread, probably anything under seven, you would see pretty significant Broncos action. And we would probably need to have the line above a touchdown to see significant amount of betters confident in taking Jacksonville. Even then, maybe not, because it's just like we only have one game to look at in terms of sample for the season. And the Broncos played really well in the Jaguars. I would say we're the most unimpressive team in week one, at least relative to expectations with the opponent they were facing. So, yeah, even with the line moving towards Denver, um, like you guys said, it, it was much, much lower than this during the offseason, but even with the line increase, we're still seeing a lot of Broncos action. Matt, what game or what team out there is seeing no love? Is there a game out there that just nobody wants to bet? Where are you seeing maybe the least amount of handle as far as a game or a side? Interesting. So let me think for a second. I I don't know if there's a game that really jumps out. You know, every game... Everybody bets every the Sunday, NFL across the, across the board. Right. <laughs> yeah, so it's not like there's one game where it's like no one's taking this game. I do feel like there's some quirkiness with, um, with the Raiders and the Steelers, with Josh Jacobs, and maybe that's a game that's getting overlooked. The Raiders also played Monday night, so that one, that one hasn't been live for as long. So maybe, maybe it's just that, but 
the point spread there is interesting too. Like we're not seeing much movement for Jacobs. If you ask me generally, running backs don't matter if they don't catch passes. I think you guys probably figured that to some extent. But yeah, we're not seeing much movement even with Josh Um But maybe that'll change. All right, Matt, thank you very much. We will do it again next week on the Pro Football Blitz. You enjoy your weekend there at DraftKings. James Salinas and Brady Cannon will be back in just a moment right here on VSIN. into the Pro Football Blitz. Brady Cannon and James Salinas with you covering the Week 2 NFL card. And we are almost through all the games, James, and almost finished with the program here. Before we get out of here, of course, we will touch on the Sunday night game between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Baltimore Ravens. And we'll also take a look at the Monday nighter at Lambeau Field between the Green Bay Packers and the Detroit Lions. But I want to go back. It's been a couple of hours since we have talked about some of the morning games on the schedule. And let's look back at some of those marquee contests. And one of the games that will kick off at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, will feature two 1-0 teams, both off of wins in Week 1, and that is the San Francisco 49ers and the Philadelphia Eagles. And I, I think uh, the betting market is showing maybe a lot of uncertainty here what to expect out of either team. I made the line 3.5 in favor of the San Francisco 49ers, and it opened up 4, and I thought initially maybe that was a little thick. As a 49er fan, a lifelong 49er fan, I've seen them stub their toe plenty of times. And then I saw all this love come in on the Philadelphia Eagles in the market, bringing that line all the way down to three. And, you know, you go through the week and you hear from different people, and it it just seems like a lot of people are liking the Eagles in this spot. And I said, wait a minute, are are we ready to hand them the NFC East crown off of what they did in week one to the Falcons? I'm not so sure this team is for real just yet, James. And I'm not either, and and especially based on what they did against the Falcons. Now, Thinking about Arthur Smith coming over to Atlanta, new fresh face that I think they needed at the leadership position for the head coach there, didn't come to fruition. They looked overmatched, they looked overwhelmed, and and Philadelphia was able to do offensively whatever they wanted. And a lot of what they like to do is a lot of read option with Hertz and let him. He he was able to run around, get some plays off there. They just didn't look prepared. Did Atlanta's defense for that Philadelphia offense, in particular for Jalen Hurts and the way that he performs when he has the ability to pull the football back, not only be able to put it down and run, but has a clean pocket. And that's pretty much what he sat in all day long to be able to make some throws. So different scenario here against the 49ers. They're used to playing against quarterbacks that have the ability to to run and pass. And thinking about twice a year, they're playing against Kyler Murray for the last few years, as well as Russell Wilson. So I think for San Francisco, it's just a matter of being disciplined in their rush lanes defensively, setting that edge, holding that edge, and forcing Hurts to stay within the pocket and have to make reads. And that's kind of where my only concern here is that secondary for San Francisco. It is banged up again, and hopefully we're not going to see for San Francisco. For San Francisco fans like yourself, Brady, all the injuries that they had had to persevere through last year, had some key injuries last week as well. Linebacker, 
corner going down with Barrett. So a little short there in the in the back seven. But I think here I'm not ready to jump on the Philadelphia bandwagon, and I'm going to bet against it in a sense that I didn't play the game, I didn't play the total, but I am going to bet against Jalen Hurts being able to run his read option comfortably like he did last week against Atlanta. His rush yards were sitting at 50-and-a-half, and that's where I played it. I played the under against Jalen Hurts because I think San Francisco will be disciplined to contain Hurts and make him a thrower, make him a passer, take away the run game, stay him and set those edges like we talked about here. And I think that's what they'll do. So that's the only play that I've made on this game, Brady. I am going to bet Jalen Hurts. I did bet it under 50 and a half yards rushing. I wanted to take the 49ers laying that three. I like the fact that they stayed out on the East Coast from their game against from their game against Detroit, staying out there on the East Coast now for Philadelphia. So not nearly as much travel involved. But I stayed away from the from that side with the Niners, even though I like that side as far as a lean goes. Yeah, I've started to talk myself into that side as well as we got later into the weekend here. I started thinking, way this this number is just getting too low on the San Francisco 49ers, who I think at this point anyway, what we know about them in the offseason – uh, and even week one, I, I think clearly the better team is the San Francisco 49ers here. And maybe some of that love for Philadelphia is also reacting to those injuries you talk about, James, for San Francisco. Of course, Raheem Mostert, he is out uh, and on injured reserve for probably a good eight weeks or so for San Francisco. You also have Jason Verrett, who you mentioned. This guy has had a number of knee issues over the years, and uh, he is also going to be out for this game. Another ACL tear for him in that secondary. Also along the defensive line, Eric Armstead is listed as questionable. I believe he has something in his chest, an abdominal injury. Javon Kinlaw, the uh, second-year player out of South Carolina, who is really a beast along that defensive line, he is currently questionable as well. Marcel Harris, the linebacker, and then also Dre Greenlaw was listed as questionable, but now he has been put on injured reserve for San Francisco. So, you know, I'm again starting to talk myself more and more into this. Maybe this line is dropping because of all this injury news and people are kind of overreacting to this side of the coin as well. And they could be in it, but thinking about that's a lot of injuries on the defensive side. You mentioned Mostert running the football, but it's, this seems like for Shanahan, it, it's plug and play as far as running backs are concerned because of their scheme and that stretch run, the zone scheme, the stretch running game that they have, and they commit to it. And that's I love watching their offense. I love teams that will commit to running the football. I like the offensive line for San Francisco. I think Kittle, we talk about his prowess as a, as a receiver catching the football and how physical he can be after the catch and what a great route runner he is and great hands, but he's a tremendous blocker as well. And I think we're going to see a pretty steady dose of the run game because that's what they're going to need to set up Garoppolo in that play-action pass. And I think you can attack that second level and that third level against Philadelphia, get those linebackers to creep up, ready to jump into those gaps and play that zone running attack. And I think there will be opportunities as the game progresses. So that's what I'm really going to see. I think I'm going to stay off the side. I've already bit with the Jalen Hurts rush yards going under the total of 50 and a half. But I want to play this game in game because I want to see if the, if the 49ers are able to try to establish that running game. And if they're starting to suck up those linebackers to play run support, there's going to be opportunities for Garoppolo to make some big plays in that second and third level down the field. And that's where I want to see. So can they run the ball? Do they start off and start to get some success? Because I think that's where the passing game will come in afterwards. And that's probably where I'll get in and see if I can find a better number uh, with San Francisco 
on that side. Yeah, I agree with you, Kyle Shanahan. Even his father, Mike Shanahan, it just seemed like uh, you plug the next running back in and the guy gained 100 yards. Uh, that blocking scheme and their system on offense just seems to work for just about anybody. And the 49ers are very deep at the running back position. I'm looking forward to watching Trey Sermon out of Ohio State this week and see how he does for that San Francisco 49er backfield. Let's move on to the uh, Las Vegas Raiders taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Pittsburgh Steelers, this will be their home opener. Both of these teams won outright as underdogs in week one. Of course, the Pittsburgh Steelers going up to western New York and upsetting the Buffalo Bills as six-and-a-half-point underdogs. The Raiders in their home opener, a very emotional, electric scene right here at Allegiant Stadium with fans in the stands. They're able to pull it off in overtime. Just an incredible football game. Derek Carr, John Gruden, seemingly having to win that game three or four different times. They finally get it done over the Ravens, also as about three-and-a-half-point underdogs in that one. The Pittsburgh Steelers here, it looked like for a moment this got as high as six-and-a-half, James, but maybe we had some buyback with the Las Vegas Raiders at that number. I'm seeing pretty much sixes across the board now in favor of the Steelers. And that's pretty much right. I do see a couple six and a halves, but I think thinking about the injuries for the Raiders, not only the letdown or the come down from that tremendous game on Monday night, but some injuries they suffered through that too. We know Marcus Mariota would not be playing in this game. So the backup quarterback who actually had a really big run early in that game against the Ravens, he's not going to be available. Incognito will not be dressing again. Josh Jacobs is down with an injury as well as now they've lost Denzel Good up on the offensive line. And that's the concern for me with this Raiders team. Not only the spot going on the road and facing that defense in Pittsburgh, we know it's going to be a great atmosphere there for the Steelers at home. But offensively, that offensive line, a lot of moving parts, a lot of new players. You got the rookie on the right side. Derek Carr was masterful of being able to let the play clock run down, continue to try to see what, what defensive set the Ravens were in and make communication, have his communication with his offensive line as far as protection schemes go at home. Well, that's going to be a different story on the road as far as communication go. I think it's going to be a struggle for the Raiders up front offensively against that front for the Steelers and the way they disguise coverage as well. I think we're going to see some false starts early, maybe some delay of games and or some timeouts that are burned early for the Raiders. And I don't like the Steelers offensive line. It's a work in progress too on the other side of the football. So I think it's going to be a low scoring game. I'm not ready to play it for the full game four quarters, but I did play the first half ready. I took the under 23 and a half for the first half total. I just think for both these offensive lines, it's going to be a struggle in particular for the Raiders as going into Pittsburgh. Yep, I think that play in the first half uh, makes quite a bit of sense. We know how good the Steelers' defense is, and they should be able to shut down that Raider offense, who may be a little lethargic coming off of that huge Monday night win. Marcus Mariota, you mentioned he is going to be out of the game. Roderick Teamer, the safety, will be out for Las Vegas. Richie Incognito along that offensive line along with Denzel Good. Gerald McCoy along the defensive line will be out of this game. Nick Kwiatkowski, he's got a concussion. He will be out at linebacker for the Las Vegas Raiders. And then also Ngakwe along that defensive line who had a big game along with Carl Nassib for the Las Vegas, uh, Las Vegas Raiders on Monday night. They are both listed as questionable as well. They will desperately need those guys to put some pressure on Big Ben. We'll come back and get to our best bets in the next segment here on the on the Pro Football Blitz at Vsin. This is the Pro Football Blitz with Brady Cannon and James Salinas on Vsin, the Sports Betting Network. 
Make this football season your best sports betting season ever. Start your VSIN free trial today to get full access to our sports betting experts, including 24 7 video streaming, daily best bet emails, betting splits with the money and ticket percentages on every game, plus full access to VSIN.com data and analysis. You get everything VSIN has to offer for only $22 per month. Sign up now at VSIN.com slash subscribe. Brady Cannon and James Salinas with you inside the Pro Football Blitz, and it's time to go over our best bets once again. And, James, I will start with you. You've got kind of a double whammy here, utilizing the prop market and the traditional side and total here in this game with the Chicago Bears hosting the Cincinnati Bengals. You're looking at the short favorite here, the Chicago Bears, laying two and a half. We're even seeing twos in the market now. And uh, you're also going into the prop market there with their running back, David Montgomery. And thinking about David Montgomery first to what you said here. For the Bengals, they're nicked up in the secondary. Trey Waynes, at cornerback, will not play this week. He didn't play last week, so they're very young at the cornerback position. And then Ricardo Allen, the safety they brought over from Atlanta, is really a cap casualty there for the Falcons. Ricardo Allen, who's a veteran presence back there for this young secondary of the Bengals, he broke his hand last week. He's not going to play on Sunday, and I think that's where I went. They ran a lot of three safety nickel sets, and really I think they've got, they've got two young heavy hitters that play safety with Jesse Bates and Von Bell. And that kind of allowed them, with Ricardo Allen being able to play kind of a, a single single high safety, let those two rovers go around and try to lay a hat on somebody, and they did. They're hard-hitting players, and I like watching them play, but I think Ricardo Allen not being there, they're going to have to play a little deeper now. They're not going to be able to be as aggressive at that first and second level that they were last week against Minnesota because they did a great job of shutting down the run of Dalvin Cook. 20 carries, 60 yards, that's all he managed. I think on the other side now, because of that injury, David Montgomery, Montgomery is going to be the feature back, had a great game last week against the Rams, but they had to play catch-up. He had over 100 yards rushing, but only 16 carries because they had to try to catch up to Matthew Stafford and that offense for the Rams. So I like Montgomery going over 64 and a half yards rushing. I think he gets plenty of touches to do it. And then I like the Bears at home laying two and a half. I'm just not sold. I love Joe Burrow. Love his toughness coming back from the tough knee injury he suffered late in the season last year, just eight months removed from major knee surgery. I think it's a tall order, though, for this young Cincinnati Bengals team to go on the road into Soldier Field and beat the Chicago Bears. It's less than three. It's sitting at two and a half. Half. I like that spot there, so I took it. I laid the I laid the number with the Bears. Yeah, I uh, see where you're coming from, James. And you and I talked about this last week as well that the Cincinnati Bengals might be a good team to play, catching those three points as a home dog in Week One because you know we have seen Joe Burrow and what he can do and all that talent he has. We didn't necessarily know what Jamar Chase was going to be able to do, but they have some absolute skill position players, especially at wide receiver in Cincinnati. And maybe this team was going to be able to sneak up on somebody early in the season when we didn't really know a whole lot about how they would come out and perform. And sure enough, they, not only they cover, they went outright over the Minnesota Vikings in the opening week. Now maybe reality sets in a little bit. We know a little bit more about the Vikings. You mentioned the injuries. The Chicago Bears go back home, where obviously they're more comfortable than being out on the road in Los Angeles. They're laying less than a field goal. And Andy Dalton is playing against his former team, where, oh, by the way, last year when he was a backup quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, he knocked the uh, Bengals into next week, beating this team 30-7. to So I imagine Andy Dalton has a little something for Cincinnati on Sunday as well. 
That's what I'm betting on here. And not only Andy Dalton, we're going to see some packages. What are we going to see out of Justin Fields coming in? Didn't see sure. a whole lot. We got to see a little touch of him last week. Show him week, to the home fans, a- right? Exactly right. This is what your future looks like. Now, whether that be in the red zone, that's what it was last week against the Rams. But I think that's something that the the Bengals will have to prepare for. And I suspect we'll see Fields being able to come in, especially in those those running situations down inside the 20 to end the red zone offensively to be able to put more pressure on that Bengals defense. I just think it's a tall order for this young Bengals team, as much as I like Joe Burrow, to go on the road and win at Chicago. All right, James, I'll get to one of my best bets, and I know you endorse both of these sides, not necessarily in the same fashion, but I did a two-team six-point teaser with the Carolina Panthers up to plus 10 and the Minnesota Vikings up to plus 10.5. Now, I don't think you can still get those numbers. I got the Vikings when they were plus 4.5 on the regular line and the Panthers at plus 4. This was earlier in the week. The Panthers currently plus 3.5, so you can get that one up to 9.5. The Vikings also at 3.5. You can get that to 9.5. Now, you'd like to have that key number of 10, but James, uh, I still think getting six points greater than where the spread is now I think is a massive move for a couple of sides that I like, maybe to cover just the regular line of 3.5. And I think thinking about the Panthers, I think they do. I think this is a great spot for Carolina being at home now. And you've got the Saints coming off. Talk about an emotional win. We were talking about the Raiders earlier and what an emotional game that was for them coming off of Monday night. Same in a sense, not Monday, but beating the Packers the way that they did last Sunday were the Saints on the road, in a sense, playing at Jacksonville because of the hurricane that swept through New Orleans. And they've been displaced for such a long time because of it. Great game, great performance in every facet of the game. Just beat up the Green Bay Packers. But hard to simulate that same energy and focus and enthusiasm that they had in week one to carry that back out on the road for week two. So from an energy, from a, an emotional standpoint, there's definitely going to be a letdown for the Saints. But then also the COVID issues that went on within the coaching locker room. I think there's going to be seven coaches that will not be available for tomorrow's game on the sideline. Had to conduct all their team unit meetings and virtually rather than in person, which is never as effective as being face-to-face in those meetings. Then the fact that they've got a number of players banged up. They're already banged up coming into the season. Count a couple more off that defense that are on injured reserve. Tally that number up to 12 with Alexander and Davenport on that defensive front now being sidelined on injured reserve. So it's just a tall order for the Saints to go on the road and now have to cover more than a field goal against the divisional opponent like the Panthers. And of course, one of your best bets is indeed the Carolina Panthers getting those three and a half points there at home their second straight home game they win in week one by five points over the new york jets 19 to 14 let's talk about another one of your best bets james and this is an afc east divisional matchup between the dolphins and the buffalo bills coming to town and i think this is a really interesting game and i know you're leaning towards the dolphins here catching three and a half and and I think that's the way I would go. But this game just makes me nervous. And I have, you know, we talked about the Tennessee Titans being a team that I expected to regress this year. The Miami Dolphins also had a lot of luck or a lot of good fortune in 2020. This was a team that was plus nine in turnover differential. You remember earlier in the season, this team on special teams and defense was getting all kinds of takeaways and yet they fail to make the postseason. That's usually not a good recipe when you have so much go your way, but you can't really cash in on it. And I expected this team to slip a little bit in 2021, and they kind of did at New England. The Patriots really dominated them in the stats, but they ended up winning the game thanks to a late turnover by the New England Patriots. 
Now, Buffalo, I expected them to regress, too. We've talked about this. They really peaked maybe in 2020. Josh Allen was phenomenal. Stephon Diggs, they made it a great run in the playoffs. I expected them to come back to earth just a little bit. I don't know what to think in South Florida on Sunday, but I tell you what, the Dolphins side catching three and a half. It's that hook. That's the way I'd be headed just like you are. Playing in Miami, the weather is going to be sticky. It's going to be miserable down there. As far as playing conditions for football, if you're hanging out on the beach, casting some rays, <laughs> great weather for you, but it's going to be close to 90 degrees throughout the duration of the game. The The humidity is going to be in the 70 percentile range. It's going to feel like it's triple digits on the field. And, of course, like most stadiums, Brady, they are designed for the home team to be on the shaded side of the field and the visiting team to be sitting in there basking in the sunshine, and that's exactly what the Bills are going to have to do. I think this is just going to be a game based on the weather. I think the game plan of attack for Miami is going to be ball control. They want to be physical up front. I don't love their offensive line. It's a very young and experienced offensive line, but they ran the ball pretty well last week against the Patriots on the road. Now they'll be home, and I think that's where they're going to want to be. Their best defense is going to be able to keep Josh Allen on the sideline, and even when he does come in, I really love the secondary for Miami, so I think they're going to be very competitive tomorrow, and I look at the Buffalo Bills on the offensive side. Those offensive linemen, I don't like that offensive line as a whole, and in particular those tackles. We saw right tackle Williams really get exploited last week by T.J. Watt and a lot of highlights that he put up last week against that Buffalo Bills and putting Josh Allen on the turf. But on the left side, Dawkins, he had COVID during the summer. He was in the hospital for a number of days in July, lost a lot of weight, so he's just trying to get conditioning going. Well, not going to be a great place to go get your conditioning legs if you're having to go down there and sweat out bullets down there in Miami. I love the home field advantage for the Dolphins here. They are opportunistic defensively. That's what won the game last week. So I'm going to take the Dolphins at home plus the three and a half. Yeah, and maybe that head coach Brian Flores is uh, bucking the trend of the Miami Dolphins possibly regressing here because he has shown to be very, very good. If you look at his against the spread record, 21 and 12 against the spread, and also 21 and 8 against the spread since this team's bye week in 2019. You remember that turnaround when he really turned around this Miami Dolphins team. So we'll see what Brian Flores has up his sleeve on Sunday. Another big weather factor for the Jacksonville Jaguars. A lot of heat and humidity in their game taking on the Denver Broncos. We wrap up the Pro Football Blitz next with a look at the Sunday night game and the Monday nighter right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. This is the Pro Football Blitz with Brady Cannon and James Salinas on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit vsin.com to check out the current betting splits data. This new feature gives you insights on where the money and the bets are moving for every game. You'll be able to see where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public's opinion. Data is available on money line, totals, and against the spread bets. Betting splits are another way that vSIN is here to make you a smarter better year-round. Check out today's betting splits for every game at vSIN.com. Brady Cannon and James Salinas with you inside the Pro Football Blitz. And speaking of betting splits, James, that is appropriate right now for the Sunday night game, and that'll be featuring the Baltimore Ravens 
hosting the Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City is 1-0. They come off of a victory over the Cleveland Browns in a really hard, uh, hard-fought contest in which they were dominated for a good portion of the game but just cannot hold Patrick Mahomes and company down for that long. Could the Cleveland Browns not anyway on week one of the NFL season? The Baltimore Ravens, they went the distance in a heavyweight battle with the Las Vegas Raiders but came out on the losing end. What an incredible game that was at Allegiant Stadium, and they fall just short in overtime to the Las Vegas Raiders, and they will try and even their record at 1-1. One and one. Everybody talks about, you know, desperately not wanting to go 0-2 on the year, and the uh, Baltimore Ravens have that staring them in the face right now. But talking about betting splits, you look around at a lot of different sports books in Nevada, and the Kansas City Chiefs are taking about 4-1 to one on the tickets over the Baltimore Ravens or even more. I'm seeing in the neighborhood of 80% of the tickets being written are on Kansas City here. And sure enough, we have seen that line now tick up. But I tell you what, that is always a red flag for me, James. I would be leaning towards Baltimore here, catching the points at home. I would be leaning that way if Baltimore was actually the Baltimore Ravens team prior to week one that we saw early in the offseason, in the preseason. Now you've got 15 players on injured reserve and some key players, offensive linemen, in the secondary. We can name it down. I'm getting, again, this is another team. I get carpal tunnel just scrolling down the injury <laughs> list. of just They're just decimated. And this is not the team you want to face on a short week, having to travel back home to face the Kansas City Chiefs. And we know the Kansas City Chiefs. I remember that game last year just throttled the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore. Now you're sitting at three and a half with the Chiefs, and you look at the other side, I don't have to do anything on the injury report for the Chiefs. Everybody is healthy. Actually, they're healthier this week than they were last week. Safety Tyron Matthew is going to be back in the lineup for the Kansas City Chiefs. He missed last week's game against the Browns. I just think this is, Ed, there's want to, Brady, and then there's can do. And right now, with the list of injuries that Baltimore has, I just can't see him do it. I can't make a side for this home dog in this spot here. I don't want to go against Mahomes now. And I think that this is a team that is, we saw him offensively last week against the Browns, different different defense for sure. But yeah, I just can't get in front of this team right now, being as healthy as they are, as banged up as the Ravens are. And then thinking about that offensive line too for the Ravens, a complete mess. And that's with the injuries. I don't know if we're going to see left tackle Ronnie Stanley. He didn't practice all week with his ankle coming off of ankle injury last year. I just think it's a big mess right now for the personnel-wise for the Ravens. You are you know they're going to come out and great, give great effort, but as far as them being able to compete for four quarters with the roster size the way that it is right now, I just can't see it. So I didn't lay the three and a half, Brady. I got a little creative, and I think this is something that, depending on where you're at, and out here in Colorado, we have so many operators that I can choose from, was looking at the money line, and I'm frugal when it comes to laying points and or laying prices in any sport. And so I'm a cheapskate that way. I have a big bet on this, but it, as far as wanting to lay a price, I didn't do that in a sense where it was straight up. So I got creative here. And that what I did was I found a place, most of the money lines are sitting at 200, but I found a book with an alternate line that had the Chiefs plus two minus 200. So took that piece there and parlayed that, which I don't do a lot of parlays, but in this sense I did with the game that I really like. And I found Carolina and I moved them up. I found an alternate line with them sitting at four and a half, just laying 20 cents. So just 10 cents more to go from three and a half to four and a half at home for Carolina. So that's where I went here. It's a pretty big play for me, taking the Kansas City Chiefs plus two minus 200 in a parlay with 
the Carolina Panthers plus four and a half, laying a dollar twenty. It pays approximately plus one seventy-five. That's the get back for me. That's where I went with this game. So we'll be on the air Sunday night with the Pro Football Blitz, and I'll be sweating that out if Carolina can cover that four and a half. It's going to be a lot of fun for Sunday night. Well, if that doesn't nail home the notion of shop around, I don't know what does. I mean, being able to find a couple of nooks and crannies like that, that is some really good investigative work there, James, catching the Carolina Panthers, an alternative line of four and a half, and then the Chiefs plus two, a nice little parlay indeed for sure. Maybe some good news in a sense for the Baltimore Ravens uh, with those injuries you referenced, James. It looks like a lot of these guys have been upgraded a little bit. Ronnie Stanley, you mentioned, a local Bishop Gorman product out of Las Vegas, Nevada. He was listed as doubtful. He is now questionable. Also, Jimmy Smith is questionable. Marlon Humphreys questionable, along with Hollywood Brown. So it looked like earlier in the week some of these guys might not make it. Now, questionable doesn't mean they will, but it looks like a couple of these guys have been upgraded. We will see what happens between the Chiefs and the Ravens and how many healthy players this uh, Baltimore Ravens team that has really just had an absolute hard luck offseason injury-wise so far this NFL campaign. Let's look at the Monday nighter at Lambeau Field in Green Bay, James. The Green Bay Packers taking on the Detroit Lions in Green Bay. I, I mean, we talked about it earlier with the Atlanta Falcons being a no-show. I think it was even more so for Green Bay. It, it really looked like they absolutely had, ho had had no reps in the preseason, which Aaron Rodgers did not with his team. It just looked like this team showed up for summer camp and you know, where's the map? What do I do? What's the program, coach? And I mean, this team just looked like they did not have a clue in that loss to the New Orleans Saints in week one. We'll see if they do have a clue here at home at Lambeau Field in a divisional matchup against the Detroit Lions, who were competitive late in the game. Sure, you can say the 49ers got sloppy and took their foot off the gas, but, uh, you know, Dan Campbell had his guys playing hard late in the game all the way to the finish. They ended up covering the number in some spots, losing to San Francisco by eight but this number is pretty crazy for Monday night the Green Bay Packers opened up as 10 and a half favorites 10 and a half point favorites it got up to 11 now we're seeing some 11 and a halfs and it may still be on the move before they kick off on Monday I'm seeing 11 and a half too, and I'm going to wait. I haven't played this game. This was a contest play for me. I did take the Lions plus the 11, and not that I'm in love with Jared Goff and that Lions team, but you mentioned Dan Campbell. We know how fiery he was and his press conferences. That was uh, that was entertaining. I guess we'll leave it at that, but they did play hard, and they're going to play hard. They're definitely, as far as the roster is concerned, nowhere near as talented as the Green Bay Packers, and especially at the quarterback position, but I think last week's performance out of the Green Bay Packers, Brady, just speaks to you talk about are these teams distracted do these teams bring effort and, and energy each and every week and clearly they don't even come week one and this is the you should be excited the season's here we're going to have fans in the stands I know they were in Jacksonville because of the hurricane in New Orleans but you should be excited for week one to get out there and go compete and there was no competitive pride that I saw at a Green Bay in any phase of the game and it started with Aaron Rodgers and I absolutely all of the offseason things going on with Rodgers not wanting to be there, all the speculation, all of that played a factor because they didn't play together, not only physically, but then you got to get your mind right, and that team's mind and heart was not on that field versus the Saints. Now are we going to say that because they come back home, we know he's going to say relax, it's just one game, and sure it is <laughs> one game, but 
this is an issue for me when I just don't know if I can trust this team to show up in full throttle, full capacity. Now, the Lions will. You know they're going to be excited to play on Monday night football. How they got on Monday night, I don't ever know. But they're on Monday night football to play at Green Bay. So they're going to be fired up and ready to compete. 11, 11 and a half, that's just a big number to me right now for this Packer team that I don't trust their mindset. Keep in mind the other side on the defensive side, huge injury for the Packers. One of the be- their best pass rusher for sure, and Zadarius Smith is not playing. He's one of the best pass rushers in the league. Over the last two seasons, he is third in the league when it comes to quarterback pressures. He has 114 of those. That's hard to replace, Brady. He is a motor that is not going to be on the field, and Jared Goff doesn't have to worry about him come Monday night. Yeah, no, uh, if you look at the pass spreads between the Detroit Lions and the Green Bay Packers, this 11.5 gets even more ridiculous. Last year in Week 2, the Detroit Lions on this same field were 6.5-point dogs. In 2019, they were catching 3 points. In 2018, they were catching 7. And if you looked at the summer look-ahead line for this game, this year it was 7.5. And now, off of that Green Bay performance and the Detroit performance, which I don't think was completely awful, all of a sudden this point spread is at 11.5. It's really wacky, and and I'm with you, James. I almost pulled the trigger and made this a contest play. I stayed away, but uh, that's the only way I could go. I don't know how you could lay the points here with Green Bay. No way. Absolutely no way. I can't make any case for that. Even though we know Rodgers is clearly the best player on the field on either unit for both teams, He's got to be ready to play, and and with that number being the way that it is, and it's Monday Night Football, yeah, you're going to see a much better effort. You have to for the Packers. they got nowhere else to go but up, considering how they played last week. But 11, 11 and a half, way too many points for me. I cannot make a case for the Packers. Only the Lions would be the side. All right, my friend. Well, best of luck to you with all your bets and all your contest plays. That is going to do it for us. Enjoy your NFL Week 2, and thanks for tuning in to the Pro Football Blitz. Right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Before you place your next bet, visit vcin.com for all the latest data and powerful betting tools. Start with our live odds, team comparisons, and previews for every game on the schedule. Then dive deeper with live tracking of betting trends and line movements. And don't miss our unique tools, including odds meet 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 tools, including odds.